to see a people who uh, who are so devoted uh, to to God, even though they don't understand the full nature of God, but they are so devoted that they'll go and pray five times a day, and they'll prostrate themselves, they'll take their shoes off when they come into a place of worship. And they look at us and they say, you guys really aren't serious. You know, you're too casual. You're too flippant. You know, you don't put your you know, face to the ground when you come before God to pray. You just sit, you know, cross-legged and casual. And uh, these things are very humbling at times. Our guest today is Abu His name has been changed a little bit for security reasons. Thank you, Abu We appreciate that. But we do want to discover about uh, what God is doing in the Middle East we hear about on the news uh, quite often things that are taking place. But what's it really like to live in a Muslim state as a follower of Jesus Christ? What is it like to relate to uh, people who might not understand totally what you as a believer in Jesus have and to be able to experience life in a Middle Eastern state with your family. Abaru, we thank you so much for coming and sharing with our friends today. Well, thank you, Byron. It's good to see you again, my friend. It is good to see you. We haven't seen each other in a couple of years now, but your family, after many years in ministry in the United States, felt like God was calling you to something different. That's correct, yes. And, well, describe a little bit about that call and what you felt like that you should follow God in doing. Well, it was after the uh, last Gulf War, I had an opportunity to travel to the Middle East and specifically in those days to Iraq and to do some work there with a couple of uh, short-term teams. And while there, I just fell in love with the uh, Arab Muslim people. God put a great burden on my heart to be able to reach them with the truth of Jesus Christ. Probably was within that next year that the Lord dramatically moved in both the heart of uh, my wife and I, and caused us to transition to a completely new ministry, new life. We moved uh, over to the Middle East, and uh, we've been there now for roughly three and a half, close to four years. Abaru, oftentimes when we think about the Muslim culture, Middle Eastern life, of course in the news it's sensationalized a lot with the terrorist attacks and events and things, and so even we as Christians uh, can build this uh, animosity, I guess, toward the Arab people. Uh, this is very true. We see that a lot. Uh, there's a lot of animosity of uh, the Arab people against Americans. Uh, they feel that uh, we have been guilty of bombing innocent Arab uh, civilians in their viewpoint and that we are uh, totally in league with Israel, which is uh, totally dominating, you know, the Palestinians, and they they have all of these very negative opinions, which uh, and they're a very uh, emotional people, and they're very passionate people. So um, it is not uncommon to sit down with someone who may like you as a friend, but become very emotional and very passionate about the things they, they believe are, are wrong in the world and things that are going on between our two peoples. To take us into your home, uh, encountering uh, your neighbors, your, your job, not specific details about mm-hmm. your job, but just uh, your, your day-to-day encounters with your family. What is life like? Well, we live in a, um, in a particular uh, country in the Middle East, and we live in a particular uh, part of a major city there that affords us the opportunity to interact with the more um, well-educated, affluent, and influential um, Arab. Uh, this is an advantage to us because typically those who are 
more educated and are articulate in their understanding of world events are easier to communicate with and are easier to develop relationships with. Um, so we have a particular unique advantage, and uh, we don't live in a in a uh, situation. A lot of people ask, "Well, are do you fear for your life? You know, are you uh, afraid when you go out every day?" And the answer is absolutely not. We, our Arab friends, love us. We love them, and uh, we have uh, great opportunities all the time to uh, share our faith with them and. Uh, and and for us, it's a great joy to be able to do that. And we've never felt um, uh, afraid or have any uh, fears for safety or concern for either our, ourselves or our children uh, who have been living with us. Uh, we do have security concerns because the nation that we live in is a Muslim state, and we are not allowed to proselytize uh uh, a Muslim into Christianity. So we have to walk a very fine line as we share our faith and uh, share the realities of Jesus Christ. And that's really what we're more interested in is, is talking about the realities of Jesus Christ with our Muslim friends more than trying to make them become Christians. We just feel if they can have a personal, real-life encounter with the living Lord, um, then he and the Word of God is capable of taking them uh, where they need to go from there. And you will not hear uh, utter from our mouths over there, I want you to become a Christian. Now, you will hear from me uh, speak about Jesus Christ all the time and talk about what it means to know him, to understand uh, what he has done for us on the cross, and to uh, discuss all of the uh, different issues that we are uh, at odds with, you know, the, the death, burial, resurrection, his deity, and so forth and so on. I discuss those all the time. Uh, I just can't turn to my Muslim friend and say, okay, I want you to become a Christian, because the minute I say that, then I have broken the law, and uh, I can be removed from the country. Or if that person says I have become a Christian, then he can lose his life, and he can lose all of his possessions. He can lose his family. He can lose his job. And I would prefer him to know Jesus Christ and become a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ uh, without becoming a Western Christian. Would you say that you have the same type of engaging conversation with those less educated uh, Muslims? Uh, is, it, is it because the more educated are open for new ideas, they're not as uh, maybe devoted to the, the clerics or the teachers of their faith? Or how would you describe that? In many cases, uh, most of the individuals I deal with have traveled abroad or studied abroad, so they have a general understanding of what we as Westerners are really like, uh, what we really are, what we're really like. Uh, those who have never had that advantage, who have never had uh, an advanced education or have never traveled and they live strictly uh, within a very um, tight bubble of customs and traditions, listening to a lot of rhetoric that may or may not be accurate, um, they are a little bit harder uh, to deal with because they, uh, they, they have some pretty wild and crazy ideas. What are some of the concerns, uh, Abaru, that you uh, see that those that you share with, you, you live, by, live with as you're around your neighbors, mm -hmm. some of their concerns as families? I mean, they, they, know, they have husbands and wives and children, and I just describe them as a people? 
Well, you know, it's amazing. I think all of us, and uh, I knew, I I know I felt this way, uh, thought this way also. We don't always view um, people who are on the other side of the world, and particularly from a diverse culture uh, like uh, Arab Muslims are. We don't always think of them in the same terms that we think of our friends and neighbors and people. Uh, it's not that we would never say, well, they're not uh, human or they're not people, but we just don't really sometimes consider or, or grasp the fact that they love their wives, they love their children, and they seek peace and they seek uh, good prosperity and uh, opportunities for education and growth and all of those things that are important to us here are just as important uh, to uh, uh, the uh, Arab Muslim um, uh, where where I live, and uh, and it's amazing sometimes to to see that really they're just like us. And uh, the biggest issue that divides us is just a lack of understanding of who God is and what He has done for us. Talk, if you will, for a moment, Abaru, concerning we as followers of Christ and readers of God's Word see very clearly that God has a special place for the nation of Israel. Mm. All through Scripture, we believe that, we see that. But I want you to talk about being, if I can use this term, too Mm pro-Israel at the expense of not loving our neighbor, as Jesus said. Well, uh, this is a very hot topic where I live. People who I relate to and I listen to them tell me about their passions and their fears and their uh, hopes and their dreams and their hurts, they will tell me that the Israel of today is not the Israel of the Bible. They will point out to me their failures of uh, following the Word of God and the teaching of God. So they have great respect for the original nation of Israel, but they have an opinion that the people who are there now and the conduct that they are exhibiting against uh, their neighbors, uh, specifically Palestinians, is not what the original Israelites would have done. Now, this is their opinion. And, of course, it's a very sensitive point to them because, uh, you know, where where I live, there are vast, vast, vast amounts of Palestinian refugees. And uh, you can't escape the issue. You cannot escape the so-called Palestinian issue which is at the forefront of every Arab in in the region. So again, as followers of Christ, mm-hmm. look at those who might be of Arab descent or mm-hmm. even though we must clarify something here, just because you're of Arab descent or Arab nation doesn't necessarily mean that you are Muslim yourself. Uh, this is another uh, truth that sometimes we don't understand. And, and the Arabs project that on us. They think, you know, just because we're America, we're all Christians. So they look at all of the hedonistic uh, movies and behavior and news reports and all of the terrible negative things that come out. And, uh, and they say, well, that's Christianity. If you're from America, you're a Christian. And this is obviously what you think, what you believe, how you behave. So they have all of these perceptions. And the, and the reverse is true with us. When we uh, tend to look at Arab Muslim people. You know, we have in our mind 9-11 and the terrorists and Osama bin Laden and all of these things, Taliban. We tend to lump everybody into those particular very narrow extremist categories. That's not always helpful in building uh, understanding and relationships with our two peoples. For your family, Abaru, your wife and you have children, mm-hmm. as you uh, live life in your Middle Eastern country, this Muslim state that you mentioned, uh, 
What's it like for you? What have been some of the challenges and adjustments uh, that you've had to make? Do you speak the language? Shui uh, shui, a little. <laughs> Not, uh, I have survival Arabic. Um, the work that I engaged in uh, has uh, caused me not to uh, be a full-time language student, which you really need to do to master this language. It takes uh, at least two years of constant uh, formal study, and then you're marginally you know, conversant. And I walked right into a very uh, aggressive and progressive ministry and uh, business opportunity, and uh, so I've not had the opportunity to really master the language. And uh, everybody that I relate to, again, because of where I live in the city and the business I have, we relate to the more well-educated. So uh, I use English uh, 24-7, and I have no problem with that. What about the lifestyle for your wife? You know, American women have a different uh, different philosophy of life, I guess you might say, <laughs> even Christian women, sure. about their place in the home. And sure. My understanding is that it might be quite a bit different there in the Middle East. Well, actually, it's uh, not. Uh, well, I, I want you to clarify some of this. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. A lot of the uh, perceptions that we have about Arab women being uh, uh, typically uh, subjected, uh, you know, to... Uh, kind of a tyrannical, you know, lifestyle or whatever, uh, is really not true. Now, they have different customs and traditions. Uh, They have arranged marriages and things of this nature, which are very foreign to us. We don't always grasp or understand, but it really works quite well. The the husbands are expected to provide uh, for the wives uh, before they actually uh, can be married, uh, technically, traditionally. Uh, he must provide a home. He must provide uh, furniture and clothing and jewelry and all of those things that, that you know the wife needs. And uh, his main responsibility is to you know provide. Uh, the wife's responsibility, of course, is to look after the home and the children and, uh, and meet the uh, the needs of the husband. But uh, wearing the veil and things of this nature or the uh, hijab. Um, that's more out of respect for the husband culturally more than being a sign of being subjected. Uh, it means my hair, my face, my body is for my husband's eyes only. No one else is to look upon this. This is for him. And they do this out of, a, out of an attitude of respect, not out of an attitude of, you know, tyrannical submission. And a lot of times we don't quite understand that. What are some things that you have learned from their culture and lifestyle that you would see might benefit us here in America? Well, you know, as a Christian, um, I am very humbled at times. I'm going to speak uh, in a spiritual sense right now. I'm very humbled at times when a uh, Muslim will come to me and uh, say, well, you know, uh, you go to church to worship God. You go into a holy place and you're supposed to meet God and and uh, listen to his word and pray, and, and you don't even take your shoes off, you know. Uh, that's so disrespectful. I mean, the, in their mind, this is what they'll tell me. Uh, how can you come in the presence of holy God and have your shoes on? Or I'll watch them, and they'll, you know, they'll go pray five times a day. And I think about us as Christians, you know, and I'm challenged, you know, when I hear the call to prayer go off. Uh, am I praying as I should? You know, we, we have the... Our scripture that tells us to pray without ceasing, but um, do we really do that? We may, in a sense, at times, but but to see a people who uh, who are so devoted uh, to to God, even though they don't understand the full nature of God, but they are so devoted that they'll go and pray five times a day, and they'll prostrate themselves, they'll take their shoes off when they come into a place of worship, 
and they look at us and they say, you guys really aren't serious. You know, you're too casual. You're too flippant. You know, you don't put your you know, face to the ground when you come before God to pray. You just sit, you know, cross-legged and casual. And uh, these things are very humbling at times. Abaru, for those who have neighbors uh, that are of Muslim belief. Yes. We know when we go to Walmart, we go to the grocery store, we'll oftentimes see Muslim families out shopping or out at the Mm -hmm. park. And and sometimes we don't know how to bridge that gap between, as a believer of Christ, wanting to be a friend, wanting to possibly know how we could potentially share the gospel of Christ with them. Well, there's not time to tell you all the technical ways, you know, to share your faith effectively or efficiently. But I will just philosophically say that... The most important thing is that you uh, go forth with with love in your heart, the love that God gives you for other people. I've been involved in, a, in evangelism, as you know, Byron, for 25 years now. And um, I've always told all of the people that I've ever taught, uh, if you go forth without love, you're nothing but noisy symbols and clanging brass. Uh, love is the most important aspect. And if you don't have God's love for that person, um, you're, you're just making a lot of noise. That's the first thing. That leads to the second thing, which is respect. We may not agree with some of the uh, salient points of Islam. Certainly we don't. However, we will not have much opportunity to share what we believe if we don't render respect to these people. If we don't look at them and like Paul did when he went to Mars Hill and he recognized all of the different pagan worship and all the different idols, he didn't rebuke those people. He said, I see that you are most zealous, but I see that you are worshiping here a God that you do not know. In fact, you have an idol, you know, the unnamed God. I've come to proclaim to you that which you do not know. And this is the approach that I take. I render respect. I, I appreciate the fact that they will go to the mosque and five times a day to pray or whatever their practice may be. Um, I appreciate the fact that they may have the Quran memorized. Um, but my message is I have good news. I have information that you don't have. And I'm not better than you. And I'm not here to debate you. But I'm here to come as your friend and to share with you something that you may not have known or understood about God. And at the same time, as you render respect to them, you need to be prepared to listen to them. And at the same time, you say, and, you know, there may be some things that you know about God that I don't. Uh, So why don't we sit down at the table together and you tell me what you believe. I'll tell you what I believe. And let's walk toward God together. Abaru, I experienced that flying back from uh, North Africa, Morocco, many years ago. Mm. Long plane flight. There was a, uh, a Muslim man that sat next to me. Right. And, you know, I felt an opportunity to, to share with him. Mm-hmm. But it was very friendly and we had good casual conversation and it led into spiritual conversation. And I just asked him as inquiring, can you tell me about what you believe? I, mm-hmm. I'd like mm-hmm. to learn more about it. Exactly. And he was very open and gracious. Mm-hmm. And again, as I showed respect to him for that, he was open with, tell me about your belief. Tell yeah. me about your faith in the Bible that you read. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to basically open up the Bible right there sure. and start in Genesis and kind of walk our way through. Absolutely. There wasn't a conversion on the plane that day, but that really wasn't the purpose of it. Right. Well, that's exactly right, Byron. And I think when we render respect uh, to our Muslim friends, our Muslim, I'll call them cousins, uh, we can share 
the truths from Scripture, and we can listen to what they have to share. Uh, I want to say another amazing thing, which we do not realize or understand for the most part over here in America. There are many, many positive things in the Quran that point to Scripture, and the Quran speaks to Scripture consistently. It tells the Muslim constantly to go back to the books that came before. Specifically, that's the uh, Torah, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Zabur, the Psalms of David, and the Injil, the Gospels. And every good Muslim in the Quran is commanded to know those books and to read those books. But they don't because their traditions have told them that we, as deceptive Christians, have corrupted the Bible. And therefore, they don't read them. So to be able to sit down and to render enough respect that you can have an open dialogue and point to their book and says, your book says God's word cannot be corrupted. Your book says you should know the books that came before. Your book says that Christians are the closest people to God. Your book says that when you have questions, go to the people of the book, the Christians. When you show that to them or point that out to them, you can sit down and you can have a wonderful open discussion and share truth back and forth. As you're discussing truth, we know Jesus is the truth. Mm-hmm. It, we know as believers that, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, mm-hmm. the fullness of God in the mm-hmm. bodily form. Mm-hmm. What would be their view of Jesus? Well, that's a very interesting point. Uh, you know, a real hot spot with Muslims is calling Jesus the Son of God. Because in their mind, in their culture, in their tradition, when you say Jesus is the Son of God, they believe that what you're communicating is that God came down and had sex with Mary, which, of course, you know, is an aberration. And they would say haram. We would say haram. Uh, that just, you know, did not happen that way. Uh, it's, it's amazing that uh, their story of uh, the nativity of uh, Jesus Christ in the Quran is virtually identical to what we have. They have a couple minor different points, um, but um, uh, the same thing. You know, the angel appeared, announced it. You know, the Holy Spirit came. You know, she conceived and uh, gave birth to Christ. But their cultural traditions are such that when you say he is the Son of God, they conjure up an image and a picture in their mind completely different than what we attempt to communicate or what we believe or understand. So the challenge is trying to get past those um, problems of vocabulary and understanding to communicate uh, to them um, the the uh, the truth of Christ. Would they also believe that would make him lesser than God since he's God's son, not being maybe as great or as powerful since the father would be the more dominant one? Well, you know, they're, they're very uh, hung up and confused on the Trinity also. They think in terms of uh, three gods. They don't understand uh, three in one. We, so, we really don't either. Well, <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> uh, and living where, where I am and being faced with these questions and these challenges on a day-to-day basis really requires you to go back and study the Scripture and to grapple with these truths for yourself. My faith has never been diminished. I've never changed any of my very uh, conservative and uh, you know formally trained doctrine but um, it, it is I can just tell you that our traditional 
Christian, um, Western Christianity, you know, rhetoric that we use here uh, just doesn't fly over there. And you have to learn how to communicate these truths in a completely different way because the culture is so different and their understanding of the words and the meanings are so different. And you really have to slow down and take time to make that happen. Abaru, our time is slipping away, and I want to make sure our friends know how they can pray for you. In what ways would you like for people to pray for you? Oh well, I appreciate that. Uh, I just I would ask uh, our friends out there to pray that our our ministry uh, would be fruitful. We've had uh, a goodly number of people come to faith uh, so far in the last three and a half years, which has been quite phenomenal for our region. Um, pray for safety for these people, that they can remain followers of Christ and uh, under the radar, so to speak, continue to be discipled and uh, to grow, to be able to reach their family members. You know, the security for us is always an issue, not danger personally, but uh, just being able to operate where we are and uh, not have government forces come down and cause us to leave or close our our operation down. I know another key element to what you do is being supported financially. You need people that will come alongside this ministry and say, I not only want to pray for you, but I want to support you in a financial way. How could our friends that maybe God is leading to do that connect with you? Well, if uh, people... Uh, would be interested, and that would be a tremendous blessing. But uh, if they felt led, they could uh, contact me at aburu, that's A-B-U dot R-O-O, A-B-U dot R-O-O, at Bigfoot dot com. That would be the best way to contact you. That's correct. And that would be a, uh, that would go to a secure site, and we could begin communicating, and I could explain more what they could do at that point. Our guest today on Mid-South Viewpoint, taking us inside the Muslim state of a Middle Eastern country, is Abba Ru. He and his family are faithfully serving God to build these relationships, to share the love of Jesus Christ with our, I like what you said, Abaru, our Arab cousins. <laughs> and uh, that's the ministry that's taking place and that he is uh, joyfully doing for the cause of Christ. If you would like to be a prayer warrior and help support uh, this ministry through prayer, Please uh, email abu dot roo abu dot roo at bigfoot dot com. That's at bigfoot dot com. That's the email address for you to contact Abaru to find out more details about your supporting this ministry. Abaru, God bless you. Good to see you. Thank you for sharing with us today. Shukran Habibi. Alhamdulillah. Masalama. I don't know what you said there, but... uh, (laughs) I said, thank you, my dear friend. Uh, Praise God, and uh, goodbye. (laughs) 